MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello. And welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, March 25th, 2021. Today, the Manhattan District Attorney's investigation into the former guy enters its next phase. Biden has been working on executive gun reform for weeks. Court filings now show communications between the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys ahead of the attack on the Capitol. Virginia becomes the 23rd state to abolish the death penalty. And the White House agrees to appoint an AAPI liaison after ultimatums from Senators Hirono and Duckworth. I'm A.G. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hey, Dana, how was your Thursday? It has been okay. Yeah, today is a, a special day for me. And I know that sounds like I'm, I'm going to say something that's going to sound sad to people, but it's a day of remembrance. My dad passed away uh, this day in 2008. So I get to remember him uh, each March 25th. Mm. Yeah, I have I have one of those days too. So I feel you. It's it's a bittersweet day. It is indeed. I get to remember him. And, you know, he was not part of my life for a very long time, but came back into it as an adult. And uh, I miss him. I wonder what he would be like now. But it's been a calm day, a peaceful day. And I'm looking forward to working tonight. So well, hugs to you. Thank you, and, dear. Um, and I seriously break a leg over in WeHo virtually. Yes, yes. Uh, you're virtually attending. Don't virtually break a leg. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, yeah, I'm I'm excited for for that uh, gig. So that we're not going to be on stereo tonight because of that. Just so everybody knows. But uh, thanks to everyone who attended our cleanup on aisle 45 stereo on Tuesday. I hope everyone gets a chance to listen to today's episode of cleanup because it's got Andrew Weissman in it. So check that out. Um. Well, let's see. You, you know, we're going to be we're going to be out uh, off stereo uh, today, Thursday, and then Tuesday again. But you can follow us at DG Comedy and at Allison Gill, so you'll just be notified when we're on. I think that's probably the easiest way. And um, today on the Beans, I'll be chatting with Kyle Cheney. Uh, he's got a scoop about verified communications between the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers. You know how they were each separately charged with conspiracy. Well, now they've. They've got a connection. So you want to stick around for that. We do have a lot of news to get to. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. Okay, lead story today comes on the heels of a mass shooting in Boulder, Colorado. This is from the Washington Post. For weeks, the White House has been privately exploring various executive orders related to firearms, such as strengthening background checks and community anti-violence funding. That's according to people familiar with the conversations. White House officials confirmed on Tuesday they are considering potential executive actions, but they declined to provide which ones they were specifically or a timeline. Also under discussion apparently is regulating ghost guns, which are devices assembled at home that lack serial numbers, making them more difficult to track. The people describing the talks uh, spoke on the condition of anonymity to discuss plans that were not yet public. So we will probably maybe be hearing about these plans soon. The White House focused heavily Tuesday on promoting legislation that has already passed the House to toughen background checks, or, you know, to have them in some places (laughs) that we don't have them. And administration officials rejected the idea that they have not focused on gun control, pointing to these meetings that they've had with advocates. Quote, we are certainly considering a range of levers, including working through legislation, including executive actions to address not just gun safety measures, but violence in communities. That's from Jen Psaki. She told reporters that traveling on Air Force One yesterday. So that is, has been under discussion. And 
will continue to be under discussion. The bills passed by the House are aimed at closing loopholes, as we know, and the requirement that gun buyers undergo criminal background checks. The Charleston loophole, for example, allows someone to buy a gun if a background check is not concluded after three days. That would be extended to 10 days. The second bill would close the gun show loophole, which allows um, dudes to kiss their biceps and say, do you want a ticket to the gun show? No, it allows private individuals who are not licensed dealers to buy and sell guns without background checks. So this has been going on. Both horrifying things. Both are horrifying things. Yes, gentlemen, please don't do that. (laughs) But I mean, this has been going on forever. People are able to buy guns at gun shows without background checks. It's ridiculous. Mansion opposes. The two House bills Shocking. says they're too far reaching, effectively dooming their prospects in the 50-50 Senate, even if we kill the filibuster. No, I don't support what the House passed. No, not at all, he told reporters. Seriously, you guys, fuck Joe Manchin. <laughs> Anyone that watched Maddow last night was reminded of his I alone can fix this attitude in 2012 um, with regards to passing background checks. 90% of Americans wanted it. Uh, he said, I can do it. And he watered it down with, with Senator Republican Senator Pat Toomey and then failed, failed to get them passed. And now he's blocking this wildly popular legislation, both pieces of these, you know, these these bills. And uh, again, were we to kill the filibuster, it wouldn't matter if Manchin wasn't on board. We, it, it will never get past 10 Republicans, you know, as they continue to oppose what the American people want. It's absolutely unbelievable and this kind of shit just bolsters Americans' opinion of Congress. And, A.G., where have I heard I alone can fix this before? Yeah. Mm, huh. I don't know. I don't Imagine know. starting to sound a little Trumpy, or I guess in 2012 he already was. Um, yeah, but he he was like, look, hey, I've got an A rating with the NRA. Let me run with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm, yeah, and that was a mistake. Yeah, I'm beginning to think the call's coming from inside the House. Mm-hmm. But we will see what happens with that. This is from the Post. So the White House agreed late Tuesday to, to add a senior-level Asian-American Pacific Islander liaison after two Democratic senators threatened to vote no on nominees because of what they said was a lack of sufficient AAPI representation in President Biden's cabinet. I agree. The president has made it clear, this is a quote, the president has made it clear that this administration will reflect the diversity of this country. That has always been and remains our goal, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said in a statement. Now she continued, the White House will add a senior level Asian, Asian American Pacific Islander liaison who will ensure the community's voice is further represented and heard. Now this decision came after Senators Tammy Duckworth, Democrat Illinois, as we know, and Maisie Hirono, a Democrat from Hawaii, vowed Tuesday afternoon to vote no on Biden's non-diversity cabinet nominees until the White House addressed the issue. Lawmakers have been pushing Biden for months for greater AAPI representation in the most senior levels of his administration. So late Tuesday, Hirono said she had had a, quote, productive conversation with Biden officials to make clear my perspective about the importance of diversity in president's cabinet. Now, both she and Duckworth announced that they were backing down from their ultimatums after the White House agreed to appoint an AAPI liaison. And I think they, this is a very good decision. It should have been done a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is, I think, this is the first cabinet in a long time that hasn't had, or maybe ever, that hasn't had an Asian American Pacific Islander in it. Um, and in other cabinet, um, well, this isn't a cabinet level um, position, but Dr. Levine was confirmed and sworn in. Yes, um, indeed. Rachel Levine, Rachel mm-hmm. Dr. Levine, Dr. Dr. Rachel Levine, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And um, she is now the highest ranking transgender official in United States history. And so that's a, an amazing thing, I think, 
It is indeed. I just tweeted that maybe you know she's in charge. She's now the uh, secretary of health, so maybe M- Margie Taylor Green should make an appointment with her because it also covers mental health. Mm. So maybe she can make an appointment and get seen now. Mm. She has some things to talk about. She she does have some stuff that she needs to sort out. Her and Lauren. Um, and here's some news out of Manhattan, the district attorney's office that might seem exasperating. Everybody I know, but hang in there. Reuters is reporting that investigators in the criminal probe of the former guy and his real estate businesses are combing through millions of pages of newly acquired records with an eye toward identifying witnesses who can bring the documents to life for a jury, says two people familiar with the probe. We kind of assumed this. They would go through the millions of documents from Mazars and other accounting firms, get people to testify to what the documents were, because, you know, like we saw in the Manafort trial, you got Rick Gates testifying, you got the documents to back it up. If people don't like Rick Gates, they have the documents. If people don't like the documents, they got Rick Gates. (laughs) Now, some of the case's key figures are well known. Trump's former attorney and fixer, Michael Cohen, for example, met on Friday with prosecutors for the eighth time. Eight, eight. And uh, Cy Vance Jr.'s team is interested in getting testimony from the Trump Organization's longtime CFO, Weisselberg. They've been going after his kids to try to roll him. That's according to two people familiar with the investigation and me. I added the two kids thing. <laughs> but growing a growing universe of people, institutions and agencies are being scrutinized by Vance's prosecutors as potential witnesses in the case. Prosecutors are looking to gather information and testimony from bankers, bookkeepers, real estate consultants and others close to the Trump Organization who could provide insights on its dealings. That's according to interviews and court filings. The process of identifying all witnesses and targets could take months. I know. I know. I know. It'll be worth it. It'll be worth it in the end. (laughs) Quote, the next phase is identifying targets for subpoenas and testimony, said one person familiar with the case. Vance hasn't accused Trump or his associates of wrongdoing yet, but is examining, among other things, whether property values were manipulated to reduce Trump's taxes or obtain other economic benefits. The case is being heard by a grand jury that will decide whether there is evidence to indict Trump or his associates. Vance's investigators need insiders who can provide the narrative behind any conflicting numbers on Trump's financial records and testify to Trump's knowledge and intent, said former prosecutors of white-collar fraud cases. What have I been saying for That's like two months now? A long time. We have to go. We have to have intent. We have to have a rock-solid case. We have to have something that will hold up on appeal. Otherwise, you can't indict. Quote, even the most heavily documented dependent case, you need witnesses to tell the story. And, you know, we've we've gone over that a bunch of times. If you're former Mueller, she wrote listener, got to have that testimony to back up the documents. I think Michael Cohen is going to be uh, probably privy to many of these conversations. I think he's going to be a very important player as we move forward, as he has been already. So mm-hmm. now I said <sighs> we would see indictments by end of April. Cohen said the indictments are about to start to fly. But now we are getting news from Reuters that identifying these new targets and witnesses could take months. So just I know tantric justice sucks, but it we have to have that ironclad case. Indeed. We'll keep indeed. It Thank you, AG. And this this next story does not. This is a good thing. After centuries of carrying out executions, Virginia on Wednesday became the 23rd state to abolish the death penalty after Governor Ralph Northam signed historic legislation into law that ends capital punishment in the Commonwealth. Yay. And this is a quote. We can't give out the ultimate punishment without being 100% sure that we're right. And we can't sentence people to the ultimate punishment knowing that the system doesn't work the same for everyone. Well said. Northam them said that uh, he uh, he said that ahead of signing the legislation at the Greensville Correctional Center, which houses Virginia's death chamber. Ugh. Now, with Northam's signature, uh, such a horrible sentence. 
With Northam's signature, Virginia became the first Southern state to repeal the death penalty since the U.S. Supreme Court reinstated the punishment in 1976. This new law, set to go into effect in July, comes as a major shift for Virginia, which has put to death more people in its history than any other state. That does actually not surprise me. But uh, the two inmates currently on death row in Virginia will have their death sentences commuted to life imprisonment, so two lives have immediately been saved by this legislation and a a flick of a pen. 23rd state. It's unbelievable. And the first in the South. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I I didn't know that they had put more people to death than any other state. I thought I thought uh, Massachusetts for sure, just because they've been around for so long. (laughs) Right. That would no. that that would make sense. And I know I took that walking tour of the, you know, and Boston Commons, and they're like, yeah, you're basically on a giant graveyard of like a million people. Oy. And so, yeah, I was like, oh, this is, that's, I'm going to enjoy my sandwich here. Okay. <laughs> Next up uh, from Politico, court filings now show communications between the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys ahead of the insurrection. And I'll be speaking with Kyle Cheney with the scoop for Politico right after this break. So stay with us. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey everybody, it's AG, and today's episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by Magic Spoon. It is delicious and super healthy, and it's cereal, and I love this. It brings joy back to your mornings or afternoons. I am not the only one whose favorite food growing up was cereal. I used to plop down watching Saturday morning cartoons, eat a giant bowl of it, then drink the sweet cereal milk after. I loved it. But as an adult trying to eat healthy, I've had to give up my beloved cereal because they're full of sugar and carbs and chemicals. But I recently tried Magic Spoon, and OMG, it tastes exactly like regular cereal from your childhood, but it is actually super nutritious. Magic Spoon has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. Only 140 calories, too. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. And, exciting news, Magic Spoon will be releasing two amazing new flavors this month for a limited time only. We are talking about cookies and cream and maple waffle. And if that isn't the most comforting, indulgent combination, then I do not know what is. This is the ultimate treat-yourself combo, so make sure you get some while you can for a limited time. Or build your own box. Available flavors to build your box. Custom bundles. You, you can use cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, and cinnamon. I love these great new, new flavors. Combining them is amazing, too. I mix cocoa with peanut butter. Tastes exactly like the peanut butter cup. So go to magicspoon.com slash dailybeans. Grab a new limited edition cookies and cream, maple waffle, or custom bundle of cereal and try it today. And be sure to use promo code dailybeans at checkout to save $5 off your order. This offer is now good anywhere in the U.S. or Canada, but only when you use your code at checkout. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash dailybeans and use code dailybeans to save $5 off. All right, everybody, welcome back. So... We know the Oath Keepers have been charged with conspiracy and coordinated the insurrection prior to January 6th. And we know that four leaders of the Proud Boys have been charged with conspiracy and superseding indictments. But we didn't know if these two groups had been in touch until now. And joining me to discuss this is congressional reporter for Politico, Kyle Cheney. Kyle, hello. Hi, great to be here. I'm, this is an incredible story. I'm really glad I got to speak to you today. You penned a piece for Politico uh, that just dropped about coordination between the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers based on new court filings. Can you tell us what you found in these filings? Sure. So we keep learning a little bit more about what prosecutors are gleaning as they look through more and more evidence that they're subpoenaing Facebook records and phone records, and, and they're slowly piecing together the whole uh, alleged conspiracy here. 
and the new filings, and they come in these in these weird moments in the cases. Like right now, some of the oath keepers are trying to get out of prison. They're in jail pending trial, and they're saying, "Hey, let us out of here." And the government's saying, "No, here's why you shouldn't. Here's the evidence we have to keep you in prison pre-trial." Yeah, and in fact, they actually on like March first or something during the first arraignment, the prosecutors didn't want to drop exactly these potential conspiracy charges. So they're like, "Just hang on a minute, judge. We'll." I promise there's a reason. And then finally it was revealed and, and they put in an argument to detain them. Exactly. So it's very strategic how they do this. And in some cases, it's also because they don't have the evidence yet. They're still going through so much material that sometimes the detail that they want, they haven't actually found it yet. And so as they find more information, they're starting to put them on the public record. And what we learned now is that one of the the uh, Oath Keepers leaders had been in the days before January 6th coordinating tactics, coordinating uh, uh, their approach with the Proud Boys and other militia uh, groups that were participating. And uh, while it's not shocking, that hadn't been established yet, and it suggests something much broader here than necessarily even applies to one of these groups or the other. It could be multiple groups working together. And and who was the uh, Oath Keeper and who was the Proud Boys person? Are we talking one uh, communication, like, back and forth, or were there multiple? So, so the Oath Keeper's name is Kelly Meggs. He's the leader of the Florida Oath Keepers. Uh, and he, we don't know who he was communicating with. He did say it was the leader of the Proud Boys, which would be Enrique Tario, uh, if that's who it was. I don't know if he was using a shorthand for for a local leader, a Florida leader, um, potentially. Um, yeah, you know, but it was redacted in the in the court filing, so we don't know the name of the Proud Boy person. Uh, but it, it suggested that it was repeated. He said he'd had multiple contacts with this person. And they were talking about a very specific strategy in their telling to confront Antifa had they run into Antifa on the street in Washington um, about how they would, you know, sandwich the group and, and you know, get violent with them. Um, but also just generally to talk about, you know, shutting things down. They, they use sort of veiled references to insurrection or sometimes overt references to insurrection. Um, so it's it's really incredible fodder for the prosecution right now. Yeah. And I was going to ask about that because the defense's argument is that, well, the evidence here only shows that our clients uh, only wanted to be violent with Antifa. They didn't want to storm the Capitol or anything like that. But the prosecution disagreed with this assertion based on some of these communications. Isn't that correct? Right. And it's been a challenge for prosecutors so far uh, in this case in particular because they have not been willing to put that evidence on the record of the the pre-planned to go into the Capitol. Now, one of the judges in the case today, actually the main judge in this in the Oath Keepers case, said, well, you know, pre-planning doesn't need to be days or weeks in advance. It could be the morning of. If they if they changed up and said, you know, hey, today, you know what? We were gonna we, we had a plan to go after Antifa, but you know what? Today we're gonna storm the Capitol. They decided that the morning of January 6th, the conspiracy is still a conspiracy. Um, so I think what we're seeing, you know come together is it was kind of twofold they came they came in and said they were, we're going to combat antifa if we get confronted um but they also said we're, we're here to stop the steal essentially they pointed to what trump might do with the insurrection act and i think the same guy kelly meggs uh said we're you know we're all going to get there and on the sixth and uh he said do insurrection i believe was the phrase <laughs> um so you know, it's pretty black and white. Yeah. And I think they had also mentioned Meg's head was messaging to this group about Trump 
invoking the Insurrection Act and that everyone should pay attention for that because that's the green light or something along those lines. And I mean, I could kind of see a defense being, well, they he never in- invoked the Insurrection Act, so they never did anything. But they did. But I mean, it's still it's still a planning and a sort of conspiracy evidence. And and to be honest, I, I still don't understand what the invocation of the Insurrection Act would have to do with the Oath Keepers, right? They don't suddenly get legal authority to storm the Capitol, even if the president were to invoke the Insurrection Act. Um, and so somehow that was viewed as a signal of permission uh, to get violent or to or to take other extrajudicial steps on January 6th. But I don't see where their basis in law would be for that. Yeah. And it also kind of makes me wonder, because with the superseding indictment on these four Proud Boys leaders, there was an unindicted co-conspirator who had named Nordine in charge because they had nuked all their previous discussions because Enrique Tario had been arrested and he was on those discussions. So presumably they wanted to protect themselves from uh, this arrested proud boy and they created this new group. And so, you know, we and we still don't know if the person who invoked Nordine or also known as Rufio to be in charge of the proud boys that day was in communication with this particular oath keeper or if it was uh, somebody else, because like you said, Megs is from Florida and there are there is a Florida Proud Boy leader that, that was involved in this. And so it's 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 all still there's still like some mi- like big puzzle piece that's that's missing here. And that kind of makes me ask you want to ask you if, if Roger Stone was mentioned in any of these documents. He you know, it's funny. Some of the documents he's mentioned in some of them he's redacted in. But you can tell that they're referencing him. They, they reference him particularly because he's. The was the uh, subject or the client, I guess, for the Oath Keepers to do security for on January 5th and 6th. And there's images of these same Oath Keepers providing the security detail to him at events he did. Um, and so far, there's nothing that suggests he had any role in what happened at the Capitol. But the fact that he keeps popping up and he keeps getting referenced in these messages and someone they're going to spend time with and he's seen with them at the Trump Hotel uh, on the morning of the 6th and, you know, it's just it keeps you know, for a guy who just barely escaped jail and pardoned at the last second, you know, f- coming this close to a group that is now in trouble with the law is seems like a, a interesting decision. Yeah. And well, he's very good at insulating himself. We saw him do it with Credico and WikiLeaks, We, you know, in the Mueller investigation. And, and we see that, you know, whomever this unindicted co-conspirator number one is um, seems like it's probably an insulation person between that kind of level of communication. But again, we simply we just don't know at this point. But there seems to be uh, it seems the prosecutors are doing a dance around it and trying to convince the judges uh, in, in these cases, like, well, just hang on, you know, <laughs> we're, we're getting there. But uh, we're just waiting. It seems like waiting for critical pieces of evidence, but more and more keep coming out. Right. And they, they don't want to tip their hands entirely. I think there's still an active investigation. So if there's new subjects or if they're trying to go up the chain a little bit, they don't want to necessarily say, here's everything we have right now. Um, you know, some of it would come out in trial. And and there's just still a lot of so many moving parts to this whole thing. Uh, they may decide that someone is, uh, you know, who they didn't view as a central player is now suddenly a key player uh, who, who you know, because a new piece of evidence comes out or a new piece of video footage comes out. Um, it's very fast moving and changes every day. Yeah. And they held back on the 
conspiracy charges, superseding indictments on the four Proud Boys because they had not yet picked up Biggs and another one of them. I think it, I think it was it was either Rail or Donahoe. I can't remember. It was Rail and Donahoe were the two most recent ones uh, added to the indictment with Biggs and Nordine. But what's, what's clear in that indictment too is there were sixty, approximately sixty Proud Boys on that discussion chain on boots on the ground in Washington, D.C. So that's potentially the universe of this conspiracy, at least in terms of people who were there. So this is going to grow. There's going to be multiple superseding indictments here. There's 10 Oath Keepers charged, only four Proud Boy leaders on this group, although there are many others charged in separate cases. That's going to all get knitted together at some point. Yeah. And I'm wondering if the the, the knitter is uh, Rico. Rico Suave. I don't know. We'll find out. But I do have a couple more questions for you. I have to take a quick break, though. Would you stick around? Of course. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's AG for The Daily Beans. And this segment of the pod is brought to you by American Giant. American Giant makes beautiful clothes right here in the United States that are designed to last so they don't end up in landfills. I really like quality over quantity. Uh, I appreciate that approach. I want my clothes to be wearable for years so I don't have to buy more than I need and throw them away. 60% of the clothes we buy end up in a landfill within a year of being made because big apparel companies cut corners and make clothing quickly and kind of shabbily. Mega corporations churn out cheap clothing that ends up in junkyards. Now, if we have clothing that we could wear just 50 more times, we would reduce our CO2 emissions by 400%. That's the equivalent of carpooling with three friends every day. American Giant makes clothing that's durable and beautiful, not shoddy and disposable. I recently got their women's American midweight crew sweater. I absolutely love it. It's called Burnt Pepper. That's the color. It's soft and cozy. It's my new favorite. It feels good to be supporting local communities, too, and buying amazing high-quality clothes made here in the United States. Back in 1960, 95% of our clothing was made in the USA, and today it's just 3%. So choosing American Giant means supporting supply chains that are 100% in the United States and taking a stand for conscious consumerism, hardworking people, local communities, and quality clothes made to last. Get 15% off your first order when you use promo code DAILYBEANS at American-Giant.com. That's 15% off by using code DAILYBEANS at American-Giant.com. All right, everybody, we're back. We're speaking with congressional reporter for Politico, Kyle Cheney, and his reporting on coordination now between the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers ahead of the attack on the Capitol. Now, you mentioned that the judge, Judge Mehta, allowed one of the Oath Keepers to go home on bail uh, pending trial. Can you tell us about that? Sure. This is um, one of the Oath Keepers named Laura Steele. She's a former police officer uh, indicted as part of the 10 Oath Keepers charges in a conspiracy. Um Meta's pretty upset with the prosecution right now for a couple of reasons. He, they have made statements to the media. The, the former head of the entire Capitol investigation talked about seditious conspiracy charges that they haven't actually issued yet. And then anonymous DOJ officials said some, made similar comments about the Oath Keepers to the New York Times. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll go over that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll go over that. Yeah. <laughs> we can. Um, but, you know, he's basically said his message has been, we're going to deal with the case that's in front of us right now, not what might get charged later. And right now, what prosecutors have presented about Laura Steele and her involvement in this conspiracy is pretty limited. They know she was there. They know she was she joined the Oath Keepers, but they don't have any evidence that she helped plan this conspiracy, that she committed any violent acts, dest- destructive acts, fought with police officers. 
um, recruited other members to the group. And so he said, based on all that, I'm going to send her home, but with very strict conditions, uh, GPS monitoring, can't leave her house, no internet. So it's not that much different <laughs> from jail, but she will be allowed to go home. Yeah. And what I don't understand, because we've seen this before, uh, what what usually happens in these cases is that the, the prosecutor will speak to the judge in camera or ex parte and say, look, we can't release this now, but this is the stuff that we're looking at. So can you consider this in the bail? But I, I'm assuming, you know, Judge Judge Meta is, uh, is like, no, we can only consider what is in what is on the public docket in front of us. I think that's part of it. And the prosecutors even said, look, this is still an ongoing investigation. Even in their filings, they said they said in their communications that they were charging toward the Senate. We haven't reviewed all the video evidence yet to see whether they actually did that. And that's is an ongoing investigation. So they readily acknowledge that they're not done pursuing this. And because of that, I think the judge says, well, the evidence isn't fully in front of me yet. So I can, I can only go again with what I can see in front of me. Huh. Interesting. Um, one last thing here you discuss and you just brought up uh, here a second ago, uh, the former District of Columbia U.S. Attorney Mike Sherwin, acting, right, acting Mike Sherwin, bar is bar appointee, um, and his comments on 60 Minutes. And I know that uh, Judge Mehta put out a, a minute order, an emergency minute order for a, a same-day conference six hours later with the attorneys in the Proud Boys case. Any info for us on that meeting, what Mehta told those attorneys? And do you have a sense as to, in his in that transcript as to whether or not this will jeopardize any of these cases? So that was his fear. He said he told the attorneys and he called the justice department officials in too and was pretty upset. And this is not a, guy, a judge who gets upset very often. He's pretty mild mannered. Um, and he said, you could taint the jury pool with this stuff. Like, you know, we're going to hold a trial for these people on what they're charged with, not what they could be or what you think in your, in you know, your pundit chair might be, might be supported here. Um, and, you know, he said he's willing to issue a gag order if he needed to, he'd sanction attorneys who violated it. Um, if he needed to. Um, and so that is just a live issue to watch. It's coming up in other cases. Lawyers are referencing it and saying, we have to be, you know, mind of the defense attorneys are saying, these are extrajudicial statements in the media that could affect us. Um, and the DOJ officials said, Sherwin wasn't sanctioned to do this. He might, he's going to be investigated now because he's still an active DOJ employee. Um, and whether he was, you know, going off uh, solo on this or going rogue, um, in a way that could harm their cases. Yeah. So, so Meta didn't actually take any actions. It was just a warning about stuff he could do. Um, so it seems that the cases in that are still intact. But I'm, I, I'm with you. The defense attorneys now have another arrow in their quiver to use to say, hey, exactly. you know, and yeah, we need to change a venue. We're not going to get a fair trial here. We need uh, to delay the case, et cetera. And they'll absolutely make a motion along those lines. Some of them even said, well, we'll reserve our rights to make that motion later if we feel like we didn't get a fair trial. Um, and so it is, you know, again, these are things that probably aren't fatal to the case, but will come back. And if it gets worse, then it'll become a bigger issue. Yeah. And I'm thinking also they're not fatal because I don't I personally, and this is total speculation, don't think that these particular Proud Boys and Oath Keepers are the ultimate target here in this specific investigation. Um, and I know that um, there was some public reporting saying that they are now going into discussion of plea deals mm -hmm. uh, with with some of uh, the people that they've arrested, but didn't get any didn't get into any details as far as that is concerned. However, I would assume if they were going into plea talks, they would hold off on those charges, those conspiracy charges on the 10 uh, Oath Keepers and, and four Proud Boys, uh, 
going into those talks, but who, you know, who knows? Well, as we noted, like the universe of people, I mean, the Oath Keepers and their messages said they had 200 people coming to Washington. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, Proud Boys had 60 on the chat. Any of those people could be targets for flipping, for for talking um, and saving and preserving themselves. A couple have even indicated like Dominic Pizzola, one of the Proud Boys who was charged early for breaking a window with a sh- riot shield. He's the first guy in, right? He was like the first guy into the to breach the guy. Yeah, he was. And he renounced the Proud Boys and says he wants to make a deal. Um, I don't know if that entails cooperation, but... Uh, you know, the bottom line is there's a big universe of people who might be willing to be uh, informants on their Proud Boy and Oath Keeper colleagues. And, uh, you know, that's that that may be one thing that they're counting on. Yeah. And given the Oath Keeper who is uh, asking to go home now because def- this is his first prison experience and it's very uncomfortable for him. We've got people who uh, are angry about not having uh, organic food. They don't seem like they're built for jail. So, you know, I th- I think that uh, plea agreements where applicable are probably likely lower down the chain, especially. And you start using those to roll up to the, the bigger fish. And that's sort of the standard operating procedure. And and so I think that's where they're at right now. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on all this. I hope we have you back. If you drop some any more, uh, any more stories on this. Um, because, yeah, it, there's just so much more reporting coming out of this than there was out of, say, the Mueller investigation because they were so tight lipped about everything. That, again, could be a problem for some of these prosecutions, but um, we're going to keep reporting on it. So I appreciate your time. Kyle Cheney, everybody check out his piece in Politico today. I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Grazie per aver ascoltato lo spettacolo. That is Italian for thanks for listening to the show. And I just learned it from Babbel, the number one selling language learning app. I think I got it right. Hey, friends, it's AG. And one of my goals this year was to learn a new language. And Babbel has made the whole process addictively fun and easy with bite-sized lessons that you actually use in the real world. With Babbel, you can choose from 14 different languages like Spanish, French, Italian, German. I'm working on my Italian pronunciation mostly right now. And Babbel has made it a breeze. Babbel's 15-minute lessons, they're just 15 minutes, make it a perfect way to learn a new language on the go. I can take Babbel lessons when traveling or on a walk. And unlike the infamous language classes you took in high school, Babbel designs courses with practical, real-world conversations in mind. No no more, das Hund springt aus dem Polizeiwagen, you know, oh, the dog jumped out of the police car. No, these are things you'll actually use in everyday life. Other language learning apps use AI for their lesson plans, but Babbel lesson plans are created by over 100 language experts. Their teaching method has been scientifically proven to be effective, plus... Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you improve your pronunciation and accent, which is what I'm working on. Uh, start your new language learning journey today with Babbel. Right now, when you purchase a three-month Babbel subscription, you get an additional three months for free. That is six months for the price of three. So just go to Babbel.com and use promo code DAILYBEANS. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com, code DAILYBEANS, for an extra three months free. Babbel, language for life. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we're- I am so glad it's good news time. I need this good news today so badly. Yeah, it has been a long news week. It's been a lot. It's been a lot. Yep, yep. Today's a weird day, but we're 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 getting through it and we now have good news. This is listener submitted good news. If you have any good news you want to tell us about or confessions or corrections or you want to play what the mutt where we guess your dog uh dog's breeds, which I know we're terrible at. There was a big discussion oh about Oh my god, so bad. Pities and bullies and I you know, I know. I don't know. 
I know that I don't know. How about that? And uh, we, you know, we just do our best. It's a fun game. And Miss Heard Lyrics, whatever you guys have for us, uh, pictures of your happy place, send them in at uh, dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. I will kick us off with a submission from M, pronouns they, them. My favorite misheard lyric is from Simon and Garfunkel's Sound of Silence. I hear them say, silence like a casserole, when they (laughs) actually say, silence like a cancer grows. Casseroles are decidedly better than cancer, so I'm with you on this. I would say so. Most of them, yes. Uh, All of them. Attached is a pic of my dog, Cat, when she was recovering from her broken leg, and my cat... Lincoln, I know you thought it was going to be dog, but it's not. It's Lincoln, who basically is feral, but she tolerates the crazy anxiety-ridden dog she is forced to live with. It is one of the only pics I have of them together, despite having had them for almost eight years. Look. My goodness. Look at the snaggle. The snaggle tooth. Cat's got a furrowed eyebrow. I and Which is going to confuse the listeners, because when I say cat, I mean the dog. Yeah, and that's a Susan <laughs> Collins brow for sure. Look at Oh, beautiful. Oh, and that baby kitty. What a floof chunk. I want to pet the bellies. Oh, thank you for that. Thanks for kicking us off. Now, this one's from Leslie. I am a she slash her working in the construction field. During the early years of the TV show Cops, my two oldest children had their own fun missing hearing of the theme song. Bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? What you gonna do with the barbecue? We still laugh. We still laugh about it. Which you I'm gonna grill in front of it shirtless. That's what I'm gonna do with the barbecue. Oh my goodness. Uh, Pet tax. My newest grandpup, Peanut Breed. My guess is as good as yours. He's so sweet and has stolen our hearts. My daughter is his third pet parent. First was a bad home that he was rescued from, but the second pet parent had to give him up because of health reasons. We had pups at him. My goodness, Goldberg. Okay. We had pups at him a couple of times, so taking him in was an easy choice. Good day to you all. Look at this baby. Oh, also a furrowed brow. So sweet, though. I know. What a honey. That second picture, he's saying things. He's got gentle, cute eyes. Yeah. Look at that baby. He's he's seen things. Uh, all right, next up from pronouns she and her anonymous. My good news is that after four years of the former guy, my daughter and her family are finally moving and will be living with us for a year. She married a Swede and has been living in Stockholm for 13 years. My twin granddaughters are now six, uh, and we have been missing each other terribly. We missed the entire fifth year, but I'm excited to become a full-time Nana, and will be retiring from work with seniors at the local council on aging since I am now 65. It is, it's been intense since most of my day is helping them get scheduled for vaccinations. Oh my Ooh, goodness, yeah. yeah. Good job. Um, a funny story. My daughter was saying she didn't like the immigration lawyer they were working with when one of the girls piped up with, do you mean Donald Trump? That's good parenting right there. (laughs) (laughs) Love the show and have been listening to Dana on the Stephanie Miller show for many years. So glad I now get to hear her many times a week along with the incomparable AG. I may not be able to keep up with the podcast once the family arrives, but I'll be trying. Love your show. That's so fine. Spending time with family is a perfect, perfectly good reason. Indeed. Indeed. Okay, we got another one. This is anonymous pronoun she and her. Thank oh. you very much for your wonderful stop scrolling, AG. Sorry. Thank Sorry. you very much for your wonderful <laughs> podcast. I really appreciate the intelligent and passionate views on the news. I'm an American who has lived in the Netherlands for nearly 20 years. I wanted to send a story for Miss Her Lyrics. Before my son was born in 2003, I made a 14-volume CD set called Female Voices, and I played them in the car all the time. I still have dozens of music mixes on cassettes that friends made for me. Very much an 80s kid. 
it. Nice. Oh my God, I'd love to get my hands on that. Mm-hmm. Um, when my son was around five years old, we were singing I Am Woman, very good song by Helen Reddy. And at the end of the song, he asked, why is she invisible, mom? <laughs> <laughs> he heard invisible instead of invincible. <laughs> I had to laugh. Then he was quiet and said, but why is she saying that she is one man? He heard one man instead of woman. Invisible one man. So, <laughs> yep. So he was corrected, but it made me wonder what little boys and what, excuse me, about little boys and the things they hear. I also wanted to share photos of our wonderful pets. Titi is our adopted dog. She's now 13 years old. There aren't many strays in the Netherlands, so there are organizations who bring strays, stray dogs um, from Southern Europe. Titi came to us from Spain. She's the sweetest animal and have uh, that you've ever met. Not a mean bone in her body. We also have a brown calico, Marley, who's also 13 years old. And the newest four-legged member of our family is Bowie, 13-week-old Maine Coon. Marley and Titi aren't overly impressed with the active kitten, but they tolerate her. Thanks again for everything you do. Look at Titi, and then look at this baby Maine Coon. Oh, my goodness. I love the floof coming out of the ears and on the tips of the ears, the ear floof. So, so sweet. I had a Maine Coon that looked like that. His name was The Face. Oh, my God. So sweet. Uh-huh. Oh, and look at this calico. Look at they're just like looking up with the eyes. Hello, kitty. So adorable. Thank you for sharing those. Uh, all right, next up from Seth, pronouns he and him. Hi, beans, queens. I have great news. I live in Georgia in a rural area. That means the vaccine rollout is super slow. I am a healthy mid-20-year-old, so I should have no reason to think I'll get the vaccine before May. This sucks because my boyfriend, who I live with, is immunocompromised. Well, guess what happened today? My work has allowed me to know my local clinic staff pretty well. Today, they had some extra vaccine that they had to put in an arm, and they thought of me. I still have to go back for my second dose, but I'm elated to not have to worry so much about killing my so very killing my SO every time I walk out the door. Whew, yeah. As Pod Pet Tax, I'm attaching pictures of Major. He's my pandemic puppers. Much love and thanks for making my days that much brighter. Look at this baby. Oh, so sweet. They're both adorable. All above. Almost gritches. Oh. Oh. And the last one. Rest in the chin. Yes. Oh, sleepy, sleepy so time adorable. on the car. Oh, my goodness. All right. Here we go. This is from Old Fart Izzy. Pronoun she, her, they. Hey, Beans Queens. It's little old lady here, the one who's still in love and still in like with her hubby. I love that sentence. Drumroll, please. The best news ever. We made it through the website Spiderweb Nightmare, the long drives, the super, the serpentine parking lots, and we both are now fully vaccinated. Ooh. Yay! I'm especially happy since the version of MS that I have does not play well with COVID. So I've been intensely hiding for a year. Now I feel like I've been let out of jail. Yay! And I was rewarded this morning with an adult bald eagle playing in the river just 100 feet away from me. Tis indeed a good day. Thanks for making the inside part of this past year's journey so much better than tolerable. Listening to AG Dana and Amy just makes me giggle through the nonsense the world has wrought. Thanks for always leaving me with a smiling face and an optimistic feeling at the end of each podcast. You all rock my proverbial world. For my pod pet tax, my current pets are all wild ones as we are hosting an eagle conservation area in Arizona. Here's a couple of my favorite wild pets. Wild burrow babies. Oh, oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> Look who didn't scroll. Ahead of time. Oh, oh my God. Is it a donkey? It's a furry donkey, so right? 
It's a burrow. Yeah, look at this fuzzy. Oh my bee. goodness. <gasps> the markings on the second two, they look like drawings. Oh my god, they're so cute. Like they literally look like they've been drawn into this picture. I wonder if the babies are fluffy like that and then lose their fluff when they get older. They're like fluff. that's the baby coat. Yeah. Oh god, they're cute. Thank you for those. Thank mm. you for those pictures. Oh, so cute. I forget. Is a burrow a combination of a donkey and a horse or is it the other way around? Uh, I think so. That, you, okay, wait. When you mean the other way around, do you mean the combination of a horse and a donkey? Because that would be the other way around. What do you mean? No, I mean is a horse and a burrow a donkey. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I know there's a horse and a burrow and a donkey in there. I just don't know what direction they a go. A horse and a burrow sounds like it would make a donkey. But I don't know. Here, I don't let's know. look it up. Okay, we have time. You guys aren't doing anything, right? What is a burrow? Mules aren't burrows. <laughs> is a burrow and a donkey the same thing? A burrow is a Spanish word for donkey. Oh. A henny is the result of breeding between a female donkey and a male horse. Okay, okay. now it's just getting too complicated. <laughs> what have we done? Burrows are members of the horse family. Originally from Africa, they were introduced to the desert southwest by the Spaniards in the 1500s. The word burrow is derived the Spanish word for burrico, meaning donkey. Okay, so a burrow is a donkey. I don't know what I was talking about. There you go. Ignore me. I'd rather not. You always often say very good things. <laughs> yeah, except I told everyone to put a positive coefficient for reactivity in their reactors that they're building the other day. Hey, you know what happens. Some people should not be building reactors. Yeah. And you know, if you are true. building a reactor, they knew you were wrong, so they wouldn't have followed your advice anyway. Right. Yeah. I, that's kind of what I'm hoping. Anyway, thank you so much, everyone, for these submissions. Uh, this made my day, really, honestly. And I send anything that you have in. You have corrections or... You have something you need to solve in Amy's court tomorrow. You can send that to us. Do it all at uh, dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. And yeah, I can't. I look forward to these every day. So I appreciate your submissions. Seriously. Any uh, final thoughts before we head out? Nope. I will miss you all this weekend. So have a fabulous weekend. And I will be back in your ears on Monday. Awesome. Everybody, until tomorrow, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is directed, written, and hosted by executive producer Allison Gill and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Audio. Staff writers include Dana Goldberg, Amy Carrero, and Allison Gill. Our copy is written by Jesse Egan, and our marketing manager, executive assistant, and social media director is Kanai. Fact-checking and research by Allison Gill, Dana Goldberg, and Amy Carrero. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder of Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. Hey, everybody, do not miss our Daily Beans after party on the Stereo app. We'll be going live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Dana and I want to hear from you. Our last Stereo show went a little bit like this. What about you, ladies? What are your favorite nonsensical songs? The most weird, bizarre, silly stuff you can think of that you've heard through music. Thank you very much for all you do. Um, hope you're all well. Talk to you soon. Bye now. Oh my God, AGI. So I have an older gay brother. I don't know if that's relevant to the story, but I feel like it is because he had the B-52s on the record. So it was like, you know, we were into the, has anybody seen a dog dyed dark green, sunglasses and a bonnet, designer jeans with <laughs> appliques on it. We were like, what? Like, Keith Lorraine, <laughs> like, I'm like, how many drugs was that person on? Uh, nonsensical songs. You're so much better at this than I am. So you go first because I bet you've already thought of one and I'll try and think of one. 
Um, my favorite nonsensical songs come from They Might Be Giants, for example. Oh, yes. Boat of Car is really good. And then, of course, I'm going down to Cowtown. A cow's a friend to me. Lives beneath the ocean. That's where I will be beneath the waves, the waves. And that's where I will be. I'm going to see the cow beneath the sea. Yeah. There you go. No. Although were they talk what was he whale watching? Is it really that obscure? <laughs> you won't answer any questions about their lyrics. I, I've asked multiple times. Oh my uh, god. The best I can I, lo get I love them. Oh go ahead, go ahead. The best I can get out of them is the explanation of uh, birdhouse in your soul, which we already yeah. knew, right? Right. So. Not to put too fine a point on it. Say I'm only being your bonnet. Yeah, it's sung from the point of view, uh, sung from the point of view of a, a bluebird nightlight in the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love that song. It's one of my favorite ones. 